From Public Health Institute, welcome to the PHI CDC Global Health Podcast, a new podcast that highlights stories from the PHI CDC Global Health Fellowship Program, a U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention funded program implemented by the Public Health Institute. Our fellows are guided by CDC Global Health experts and work on the front lines of global health, developing the technical and professional skills needed to make meaningful contributions to today's global health challenges. I'm your host, Whitney Hall, the program's administration and communications specialist. Today, we actually have a co-host joining us, Jazdeep Dule. So Jazdeep, would you like to introduce yourself to listeners? Sure. I'm the administrative assistant for the PHI CDC Global Health Fellowship Program. Um, and I'm joining today because I worked with Whitney um, as the lead coordinator for the CUGH satellite session that our program participated in. So we'll go into that a little more later, but I'm excited to join the podcast today. Great. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you as a co-host for the first time that we've done that. And today our guest is Courtney Sharada. Courtney is a fellow in Atlanta, and we're going to learn a lot more about her work and her public uh, health background. So thanks for joining us. Courtney, we're excited to learn more about your work. Thank you so much, Whitney, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here today. So let's start with what sparked your interest in global health and what influenced you to pursue your master's in public health. Great. Well, to start off, I would say what really sparked my interest or what sticks out in in my brain um, for my global health work was actually working with the immigrant and refugee populations um, in my undergrad career. So I went to St. Louis University in St. Louis, Missouri, and there I found this nonprofit clinic called Casa de Salud that was aimed at providing health services to under and underassured Hispanics living in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, And it was there that I volunteered in the evenings for about three years, and I would help um, with nutrition, exercise, and finance classes that were offered to the community. Um, But it was there that actually sparked my interest to learn more about other cultures and um, to truly understand why people were were choosing to leave their home country to start over. Um, And then um, it was that I had another opportunity, um, also in undergrad, to travel with an an organization called Global Brigades. Um, And I went to both Honduras and Nicaragua. Um, And there we were helping build sustainable public health infrastructure like latrines and cement floors for families in rural villages. Um, And just really seeing the community come together for a common cause uh, was honestly really magical. We all worked uh, together tirelessly on these homes for eight hours a day for a week straight. Um, And really it was just kind of the camaraderie and and laughing together and eating together and completing these projects that um, truly seemed small, but were going to make a world of a difference uh, when we left for these families. Um, And I think that's when I realized what exactly public health is. Um, And from there I decided I wanted to go on and get my master's of public health. Um, And I ended up concentrating in epidemiology and global health um, because I wanted to see a difference in, in people's lives, and I wanted to be able to help improve um, what should be basic human rights. And I think that was kind of what really jump-started my career in, in public health, and especially in, in global health. Yeah, that's so great. And it's kind of just a funny, it's a small world. I actually, so I lived in Nicaragua in 2013, and my roommates all worked for global brigades. Um, I did not, but um, so I'm, I'm familiar with that organization. So it's great to hear it, you had such a um, impactful experience. 
Yeah, that that's wonderful to hear. I, I really enjoyed Gold Brigades and I did it for um, two years straight and, and actually ended up holding a leadership position for the second year I was in it um, and helped lead the, the group of 20 students and um, enjoyed every every moment of it. So glad to hear that, you know, it's a small community. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, that's really wonderful. And following up on your experience in Nicaragua and Honduras, since you have quite a bit of experience in Latin America before coming before becoming a fellow, uh, which experience do you feel was the most significant in building your skills and confirming your path in global health? So I would have to say it's really honestly hard to narrow it down to just one experience. Um, I love all of Latin America and all of the experiences I've had there, um, especially having mentioned a couple already. But another one that does stick out is um, my first somewhat longer term international assignment I had in Cordoba Capital, um, Argentina, um, where I was interning during my, my grad school experience. So I was actually an intern in an infectious disease hospital. And I was there for about three and a half months, um, and I was researching the 2016 dengue fever outbreak that they had in their province. Um, and what I did was I actually used um, the Geographical Information System software, or GIS, to plot the geographical location of each of the cases um, to target interventions that were being done in the city. Um, there was this initiative that they were going door to door to talk about risks of dengue fever and how to prevent the spread around their homes and around their communities. Um, so it was a really rewarding experience. But even um, beyond that experience while I was there, I did a side project where we also did key informant interviews in public and private um, and rural and urban hospitals uh, all throughout the province. And I really noticed a stark difference um, in the healthcare service access just simply based on where um, these people lived, which I you know, personally found unacceptable. Um, you could see the infrastructural differences of the hospitals so blatantly um, that showed their like financial status and, and showed the access they had to healthcare equipment, to the staff, and really to the overall socioeconomic status um, of the populations that they were serving in these hospitals. Um, and, you know, I, I found myself thinking, like, the outcome of, of a human life shouldn't be based on, on where your house is situated geographically. Um, so when I went back, I made it a goal to return to Argentina to see if I could make a more lasting impact on that community. And that's actually what led me to my, my Fulbright experience um, and eventually this, this fellowship. Yeah, that's that makes a lot of sense. You know, being being more integrated in the community longer term, I think you get to see those those disparities much more clearly. Um, and like you, so you just led into my next question um, about your Fulbright uh, scholarship. So how did you find opportunities you've pursued in public health like the Fulbright and the PHICDC fellowship program? Yeah, so um, I get this question from from friends and even from my younger siblings um, about, you know, how do you, you go to the next step in your career and how do you go to that next um, part on the ladder. And honestly, I always say the same thing, like asking a lot of questions. Um, I tend to be a very curious person. Um, and when I find someone like-minded in public health or has had experiences that I want to have, I simply ask them, like, how did you get there? Um, what steps, steps did you take um, to get where you are now? And how is it that you achieved a certain goal in your career? Um, that's something that I might possibly also want to achieve. Um, and sometimes it's not always, you know, an in-person conversation. Sometimes it's sending a cold email or, or reaching out to an acquaintance you had from college or a previous professor that you know did something that you'd think, you know, you'd really enjoy in your career. Um, and if it's not that, then it's even, I've, I've done kind of all of these things, simply looking up 
global health experiences in Google and seeing where those searches would take me um, or attending global and public health events in my area, um, such as conferences, seminars, you know, now more uh, relevant are webinars um, and just really putting yourself out there when you come across someone or something that interests you um, that you think could take you to a career opportunity. Um, and of course, like trusting your inner voice um, might be a little cliche to say, but if it's it's something that you feel you really want to do or there's a certain opportunity that has has presented itself, um, knowing that it might make you un uncomfortable, but it might be the right move for you in this moment in your life. It's, it's just kind of trusting your, your inner voice and taking that opportunity. Right. I think you make a really good point there. Um, you know, a lot of us, we have curiosity about a field that we want to go into or go deeper into, but that last step really is taking the risk and, and leaning into or leaning outside of your comfort zone. Um, but I heard a lot of the importance of networking and research. And again, I think when it's led by your natural curiosity, um, it's, it's going to lead you to more, you know, authentic opportunities and opportunities more frequently too. So that's great to hear. In this next part of our interview, we'll go into Courtney's position as a fellow and the work she does specifically for CDC. So my current role is is technically a global epidemiology fellow on the global immunization safety team, which is in the global immunization division, and then is housed in the larger Center for Global Health. Um, and I've actually had that same role for the last two years of this fellowship. Um, so my role within the, the program hasn't really changed, but I would say my responsibilities have. And what I mean by that is when I first started, I was given smaller tasks and assigned roles that, that kind of complemented already existing projects within my team and within my division. Um, and it was just a lot more of me being introduced to people, networking, um, kind of what we just previously talked about, getting my feet wet in the subject matter of my team, because to be honest, I, I had no vaccine safety experience before. Um, so they had me attending trainings, um, reading a lot of articles, um, doing some online courses, and, and kind of just being more of an active listener in meetings. Um, but now that I've gotten comfortable in vaccine safety, and it's actually a, a topic or you know, a career area that I'm um, really passionate about, it's led me to my own projects. Um, I seek out opportunities that actually interest me beyond um, the scope of my team through other international colleagues. Um, and I really just have gotten that independence I was looking for. Um, and I think that's mainly because I, you know, cultivated and spent a lot of time gaining the confidence and trust of my team. Um, and they trust me that I'll take on what I can handle while also playing an active role in supporting my team's activities and pursuing projects that are more aligned with my future career goals. That's so cool. Yeah, I, um, I think it's always interesting to hear, like, when someone first starts a position, how it changes over time. So um, thanks for touching on that. And Courtney, what is it like to work with CDC staff and what have been the highlights of your experience with staff and uh, mentors? So this question is, um, I wouldn't say it's difficult to answer, but I just have so much to say and, and you know, not enough time. But I would say working with CDC staff um, is like any other job I've had and it comes with benefits and challenges, but I would honestly say so many more benefits. Um, I truly love working into my division specifically because it's full of a bunch of really talented and enthusiastic people. Um, but not only that, I'm I'm not limited to just my team members like some other divisions operate. 
All of my projects span across the entire branch or even division, and I got get the opportunity to work with people from different teams with different immunization experiences. Um, and of course, they also come from an array of cultural backgrounds, life experiences, and so I just feel like I'm honestly constantly learning from them. Um, it feels like a true collaboration as well, or like a team effort when we work on projects because it takes all of us to achieve our goals um, in our division specifically. I would say, honestly, the only main challenge that that comes to mind is just recognizing when a task can't be completed due to cultural or political sensitivities. Um, and that's something I'm still very actively learning about and um, learning how to navigate and overcome that um, type of hurdle in, in immunization work um, globally. But, um, you know, other typical work-like challenges that aren't really specific to CDC of just things like staying organized and on task, um, dealing with competing priorities, um, finding time in everyone's schedules too, to meet and collaborate, especially in different time zones. Um, you have to have a lot of patience when, when scheduling meetings um, and kind of staying afloat in that fast-paced environment, um, which I will say is specific to global public health um, because each day brings new challenges as we know, especially with the, the recent rollout of, of, of um, COVID vaccines, we're all seeing it on a global um, scale in the media, what, what that brings for us. Um, as far as highlights with my mentor specifically, I got the opportunity to go on a TDY with Jane, my primary mentor, to Uganda. And Jane is actually Ugandan. So when we were there for, for two weeks, I, I got to experience her home country through her eyes, meet some of her family and her friends, um, try local foods I probably wouldn't have otherwise tried because of uh, you know her influence there and and really getting to experience um, a country through through the locals which is just a unique experience and, and one that I always um, treasure so yeah. having being able to work closely with CDC staff it sounds like it gives you a lot of insight on um, the the more political playing field that you have to navigate and also just insight on the challenges of global health work um, which you know, even with the, the recent COVID vaccine rollout, like you said, that's such a new thing, you know, in our in our lifetime that um, it's it must be really beneficial to have people who've worked on different types of rollouts and learn from that experience as well. Oh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm really grateful for for all of the people surrounding me that have that previous experience. It makes it a lot easier to to get acquainted. You mentioned Uganda, um, but you've also been to other places you know, pre-pandemic. So while you're not traveling right now as a fellow before the pandemic, what travel did you do? And are there any lessons or key moments that stand out from those trips? Yeah, so um, before COVID hit, I had only been in the office for about six months. Um, but in that short time, I had actually gone to um, Washington, D.C. twice. Once was for a vaccinology training course, and the other was a um, meeting with PAHO, which is the WHO Regional Office of the Americas, um, one of our primary colleague, international colleagues that we work with outside of CDC and my team. And I also went to uh, Santiago, Chile, for a regional meeting for experts in vaccine safety in Latin America. Um, and of course, as I mentioned, um, to Uganda, which was for a fractional dose of yellow fever vaccine clinical trial. Um, and what stood out most, honestly, of those trips was, was getting to work together with our international colleagues in person, um, which, you know, we really are realizing is such a blessing uh, after having 
been through COVID for a year um, because just the simple things that you take for granted, like going to dinners after work, um, sharing in cultural traditions, seeing differences um, that we make in the global public health world in person makes that time that you spend behind a computer worthwhile. Um, and I would say um, one specific thing that's, that sticks out in my mind was again um, in Uganda, we made some clinical site visits. There were three different sites that we visited in, in Uganda, um, two urban and one rural. And I got to witness the procedure of, of the vaccinating of these children um, with yellow fever vaccines um, that they may not have gotten otherwise because there is a global uh, shortage of, of yellow fever vaccine right now. So um, it was really rewarding to see the colleagues that I talked to on a weekly basis in person, get to know them um, on a personal level and hear about their their experiences and then also see what a wonderful job they're doing in this clinical trial because they're gaining the uh, the confidence and trust of these mothers with a fractional dose that to you know to people that aren't in, in the vaccine world can sound a bit intimidating or scary um, and knowing that that we're taking care of them and, the, and their children and, and protecting them against um, a preventable um, infectious disease so really really rewarding in that way. Yeah, that's wonderful. I, I really like what you said about it. Um, you know, your work kind of coming alive more than just a computer and also more than just like a spreadsheet or data, really seeing the work in practice. And I'm sure with Latin America, your your Spanish skills uh, come in very handy with that work. Since you have experience working cross-culturally, both domestically and overseas, do you have advice for working cross-culturally with speakers of another language in public health? Honestly. The first thing that comes to mind is is a difficult one, but I really employ people and, and encourage them to try, um, is to try to learn key phrases in the language um, when they can, especially if these are colleagues that they'll be working with long term. Um, even if it's a language that you find difficult or you don't think that you'll ever be able to, to write and read, to be able to speak simple phrases makes a world of a difference. Um, you know, in understanding them and communicating with them. And it also, it brings this sense of, uh, of I don't know, teamwork when you're, you're attempting to learn their language and, they, and, and, you know, vice versa, they're attempting to learn, to learn English to speak to you. And so it just, it goes a long way on a personal level, if you take that time. And then also, if, if that's some, something you can't do or, or beyond those key phrases, I would just say have patience um, when there are misunderstandings. A huge thing that I tend to do is reiterate key points of meetings and follow-up meeting minutes and emails. So there's never going to be a misunderstanding if it's in writing and and you can go back and, and look back at those, um, those key points. And then asking questions when you have doubts you don't be afraid to ask for clarification if you think you were misunderstood or um, you think you misunderstood their point. Everyone comes from a, a very understanding um, background, I think, at least in my experience. And if asking questions intimidates you or these colleagues are new to you, um, it's really easy to have a debrief with colleagues from your office who are also on that call or in that meeting that can fill in those blanks um, after the meeting. Um, another thing that I've learned um, over these past two years is, is if you have a suspicion that there might be something culturally or religiously sensitive 
you should really share this concern with colleagues that you can confide in um, because you always want to be safe rather than sorry um, and trust those instincts to double check when you're creating things like training materials or surveys um, that will be shared widely in a community. And then finally, if you see opportunities to take cultural competency refresher trainings, things like that, which I know CDC offers and, and really they're offered um, internationally, take that time to refresh your knowledge. Um, we are in, um, in a very globalized world where things are constantly changing and sensitivities even change. So it's nice to refresh yourself on um, how to approach things in a cultural, religious, and, and even socially sensitive way. Yeah, thanks, Courtney. Those are all great points to hear. You know, definitely they highlight on um, the understanding that people may have in global global work, but also the, the responsibility that everyone still has. Um, so it's it's good to hear because that seems like a really, you know, that could be quite a, a gap to bridge um, working globally. But um, yeah, I like what you said about trusting your instincts. Um, and I think, you know, the, the more that you take those types of cross-cultural, those competency refreshers, um, that helps you build your instincts too. Well, thinking back, um, you know, to when you started the fellowship in September 2019, um, it, it always kind of shocks me to th think back about that and uh, not knowing the pandemic was coming. So what has your work been like responding to the COVID-19 pandemic? I know you've, you've been working on that to some extent. And what have been some key takeaways? For me personally, so I actually kind of jumped uh, headfirst into COVID when we when it first hit. So um, my most extensive experience on the COVID-19 um, detailed response was in the beginning. Um, and that was about a couple months into lockdown. I actually completed the detail for two months with the enhanced surveillance team on the epidemiology task force, which was actually a domestic response. Um, and I called over 100 patients from nine states during that time um, with a focus in, in Spanish speakers. Um, and it was a very fast-paced environment, constantly changing, but stress-inducing. Uh, but honestly, a wonderful sense of teamwork that I hadn't fe felt since switching to telework, um, being someone who really looks forward to, to being in the office and, and being a bit of an extrovert. Um, I, I needed that, that sense of, of teamwork again and, and collaboration. Um, so it really kind of um, renewed my, my motivation for work and, and humanized my work again. Um, being able to talk to all of these people who are willing to, to share their experiences with, um, with COVID-19. And um, now that, that things have changed very rapidly and we have the rollout of COVID-19 vaccines and being in vaccine work, most of my projects actually have a COVID focus or motivation. Um, so I don't find myself responding to detailed responses these days just because I'm trying to keep up with the, the demand of, of my regular job. Um, but things that I've been up to are kind of helping it develop a dashboard that is for COVID-19 um, COVID vaccine tracking. So we're looking at vaccine safety indicators, um, healthcare worker populations, as well as other uh, immunocompromised populations and, and developing it um, country by country so that we can look at these key indicators um, in a more easy and, and, and one-stop one kind of um, place, as well as um, some surveys that we've developed pre-COVID, we've now uh, modified, which are looking at COVID impacts on the pediatric uh, vaccine schedules in Indonesia and Nigeria. 
and then finally, I've been helping develop some trainings on improving vaccine safety surveillance programs in preparation for, for COVID vaccine rollouts in Latin America. So um, kind of to put it shortly, my work has shifted uh, focus quite a bit. And I'd say it's a good thing because um, on a global level, people are realizing more now than ever the importance of tracking vaccine safety events post-vaccination. And this shift in priority really brings my team's work to light in the best way possible so that we can work together with a, a shared purpose in our, um, in our work with our global colleagues moving forward. That's really interesting. I think sometimes I take for granted like how incredible it is that all this information can be accessed and tracked. So yeah, it's great to hear that, um, that you're part of that. Courtney, how has this fellowship impacted your career trajectory? Do you know um, what you want to pursue after the fellowship? And do you have any advice to those listeners in terms of what has helped you enter this field and succeed? And I know you touched a bit in one of our earlier questions, your introduction, that um, your current projects are giving you an opportunity to lean into that independence you want in future projects. So could you talk a little more about that? Absolutely. Um, I would say, honestly, this experience has just solidified my love for, for global health work and, and made me feel even more confident that this is the career field I want to continue pursuing. Um, and even with telework, I found a sense of purpose in providing technical support and vaccine safety, especially with it being on the public's radar um, with the rollout of, of COVID vaccines. So um, as of right now, my plan is actually to get a full-time position with my current team because I'm enjoying it so much. And, and honestly, I feel I have so much more to learn in my current um, public health topic in my team. And then from there, I'm hoping to, to work another year or two in CDC um, continue to, to gain that knowledge and decide whether or not I want to pursue a terminal degree such as a, a PhD or even an MD to complement my career. Um, but as far as advice, I would say kind of like I've touched on previously, um, being vigilant. And what I mean is like being an active listener, um, learning about others' professional experiences and if they align with your goals and asking them how they got to this point in their career. Um, exchanging contact information so you can stay in touch, um, attending conferences when, when the opportunity arises, and um, being open to talking to strangers in your workplace, um, even outside of your workplace and in, in you know other public health events, attending presentations that interest you, um, and asking those presenters how they got engaged with their work. Um, you'll, you'll be surprised how you know, just attending one presentation um, that was a presentation in your in your division that you worked in um, can kind of inspire a whole new interest in yourself um, and in your future career field that you didn't originally plan on going into. And, and it just, from there, kind of snowball effects into all of these other opportunities that you, you gain. Um, and then finally, I don't want to dismiss friendships. I think we can get too concentrated on being formal in professional settings, but I think fostering relation or relationships and friendships in your work and staying in touch with those people can open doors to opportunities that you couldn't have imagined previously. So um, being a very open person and, and uh, yeah, being an active listener, I think is my best advice. I think that's really great advice. Um, I think one of the biggest things you said is, you know, talking, not being afraid to talk to who may at first seem like a stranger at your work, you know, because even if you work in different 
different parts of your workspace, you're still there kind of for the same mission. So um, I think that's, that's really great advice. And um, even a little bit of exposure, like you said, can spark, can leave a lasting spark. And I'm so glad to hear that you enjoy your position so much that that's what you want to continue to do. Um, that's, you know, I'm glad that this experience has solidified your choice in, to work in global public health. Thank you. I, I really feel grateful to um, to have found a position that really aligns with my career fields. That's great to hear, Courtney. What gives you hope or energizes you about working in public health since there is a lot of burnout happening with remote work and just with the pandemic going on? How have you made the best of your experience? This one is both easy and difficult to answer because I would say what energizes me behind my work are, are people. Um, my, my passion are people, and so working in public health feels, you know, feels like my calling. Um, and knowing that what we do, even if it's behind a computer screen, uh, can and hopefully will make an impact on, on health and well-being of, of the general population. And, um, and also knowing that that can improve um, the lives of, of our future children. So um, I try to keep that mindset. It's not easy. <laughs> um, you know, we can, we can talk about being energized and excited. And, and when we're talking about it in theory, it's so much easier than in reality when you sit down in the morning with your cup of coffee to, to look at a computer screen. So um, I'd say what I have found most helpful recently, at least to avoid burnout, has been kind of jumping around to many different tasks. And I know this doesn't work for for some people, but for me personal personally, um, being able to do smaller tasks um, of different projects, so I'm switching topics uh, quite frequently, uh, helps me stay engaged and, and avoid that burnout. And then also making those small daily goals if, if you also work in an environment that is one large project or only two large projects, something like that. Um, making those small daily goals or those small tasks that you know are achievable in a day or two um, can help you really stay focused. Um, if you look too big picture, sometimes it, it's difficult to, to sit down and, and be productive. Um, and then, you know, if you're feeling overwhelmed, remember everyone else is feeling the same way. Um, and checking in with your mentor can be very helpful and therapeutic. Um, at least for me, I have, um, I find a lot of therapy in, in talking to my mentor and having those, those personal conversations from time to time. Um, and of course, using video, if you feel comfortable, especially in meetings where you haven't seen the people in a while, um, I just did this yesterday and, and saw um, a colleague of mine I haven't seen in a while, and it was just really great to see a familiar face and, and talk about something besides work for just five minutes. So um, highly <laughs> encourage that. And if those things don't work, um, and I, I say this for myself included, um, I would plan to, to deploy again um, for COVID or another emergency response in the coming months um, to have that change of pace. But yeah, just always looking for or a small open door kind of thing, or a, a, what is it, a silver lining, so. Yeah, those are great points. I think I bet a lot of people relate to that multitasking and having variety to your day, personally or professionally. Um, and I like what you said too about, you know, checking in with a, a trusted uh, mentor or relationship at work where you can kind of relate and have that personal personal relationship. So Courtney, do you have any favorite public health trainings or resources that you recommend either for people with your educational background 
or also those who are newer to public health? Of course, I would say in this moment, they tend to be a bit more um, vaccine focused just because it's it's my personal interest and also um, my current role in, in CDC. But um, thinking about broader conferences that I've attended and really enjoyed, um, ones that come to mind are the National Foundation for Infectious Diseases or NFID, um, which has some vaccinology courses and other uh, also has an annual conference that's really interesting and, and um, is much broader than just vaccination. And of course, it focuses on um, an array of infectious diseases. Um, the American Public Health Association, uh, or APHA, which I'm sure most of you um, listening are familiar with or have heard of, um, it's a great one to get into, uh, especially when you're in, you're in grad school or even undergrad, to get your feet wet in public health um, because it's a bit more education focused um, for the young professionals in public health. Um, I still enjoy going to it um, even you know post-grad post as well. And then finally, the International Society for Infectious Diseases or ISID conference is one that I attended uh, for the first time actually when I was living in, in Argentina. And I will say it's it's really neat. It's probably one of the most diverse conferences I've been to so far because it is international focused. Um, and you just meet so many people from so many different backgrounds there um, that if you're looking for, for a global health opportunity, um, that's definitely a conference to look out for. It's um, got a virtual conference coming up in November of this year, I believe. And, and it's usually annual as well. Um, and then some other like, trainings that I've done. Um, if you go on a WHO or World Health Organization's um, website, you can find trainings on all sorts of things, especially vaccine related and other global health topics um, that are free. And um, if you end up having an opportunity in CDC specifically, I would also recommend the CDC University, which is part of our internet um, and it's an internal site that has all sorts of free trainings on software, on things like cultural competency and, and other things we've talked about that you could, um, you know, take benefit or take advantage of while, while you're with CDC. Um, Coursera uh, as well comes to mind for, especially for software trainings. Um, and then finally, when we hopefully return to in-person trainings, um, some great short courses I found on research, software trainings, and other global health topics were through Institut Basser, which is in France, and then the London School of, of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, which is in the UK. And I think they've switched to online courses, um, but I would encourage you know the, the in-person short courses in the future. Well, thank you for such a comprehensive response. That was so thorough. Um, I like that you shared a lot of these international global focused opportunities, as well as those hard skills and software skills. Um, and I do agree the feeling of being in an international or global fo globally focused organization or conference is is um, is incomparable. You know, like you, you're going to meet people with the same with the same goals and working on similar projects. So those are really great. I would encourage anyone listening to write some of those down. Thanks for sharing. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Courtney, and sharing your experience with our listeners. Um, and also, you know, thank you for everything you're doing right now, especially responding to COVID, but um, just all your all your work in global health. Um, yeah, we we so appreciate learning about all your experiences. Thank you so much to both of you. Um, it's really been a pleasure to, to, to speak with both of you today. And, and thank you for inviting me.
um, I will say that I am also very grateful for this opportunity that PHI has given me because, you know, I wouldn't be here today talking to you. So thank you. Thanks, Courtney. It's been a real pleasure being able to catch up with you again, too. To wrap it up, Jazdeep, thank you also for being here. It's wonderful to have a a co-host. Can you share a little bit more about the satellite session that happened last month that Courtney was included in um, since you planned that event? Sure. So our satellite session was a part of the 2020 CUGH conference, um, and the topic of our session was resilience in the global health workforce during the COVID-19 pandemic. So the objective of the session was to share the experiences and lessons of fellows working in global public health during the COVID-19 pandemic and really learn um, learn from those experiences and, and use them to guide our current and future public health professionals in responding to this pandemic and also future inevitable pandemics. We had two fellows from the PHICDC Global Health Fellowship Program, Courtney Sharada and John Jaramillo, as well as two fellows from another PHI program, the Sustaining Technical and Analytical Resources Program. Um, All of these fellows shared their work as the COVID-19 pandemic really hit. We started off with pre-recorded presentations from each of them, followed by a live Q&A session. And at the end, we wrapped up with more information about both programs. If you're interested in listening to the satellite session, you can find it at cugh2021.org. And you can click satellites and find our session by the name. Um, You can also find a blog posted on our website, our PHICDC Global Health Fellowship Program website. Lastly, um, we will include the link in the description to this podcast. Thank you to our guests, Courtney Sharada and PH, my co-host, Jazdeep Dulay, and all of you for tuning in to the PHI CDC Global Health Podcast. It's our one-year anniversary of our podcast, which is a project of the PHI CDC Global Health Fellowship Program implemented by the Public Health Institute and its partner, Consortium of Universities for Global Health for the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Please join us next time as we share more fellowship stories. To learn more about our program and see how we are making meaningful contributions to today's global health challenges, visit our website at phi-cdcfellows.org. If you enjoy the podcast, you can always subscribe or rate us and leave a review, which helps other listeners find the podcast. For questions, please email us at info at phi-cdcfellows.org. This podcast is produced by Whitney Hall. Thank you to Mike Sage, Christine Caraballo, Natasha Alcaz, Aurora Michael, Felicia Warren, CDC Center for Global Health, PHI, and CGH.